Welcome to the Christian CEO Podcast. I'm Katie Bother, and I have built an impactful location independent business since 2008 with plenty of rejections, English as my third language, and lots of God's grace. Each week, we will be sharing relevant and direct advice or inspiring interviews with one intention. It's your time to go pro with your marketplace calling. Now, let's get to it. Hi there. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for being here with us. In today's episode, we're going to talking about the number one skill set that every single business should have, and that is sales. Have you ever felt uncomfortable to ask for a sale or that during the sales conversation that you got hit by a different kind of rejection and you don't know how to handle it? Also, if you're one of those business owners and maybe you are coaches with high ticket programs, you have grown your business to the point that you would like to hire a salesperson or a sales team. Do you know what kind of people you should hire? All of this, we're going to answer during this episode. And the special guest is DK. DK is a sales trainer and consultant based in NYC with a vision to equip and connect like-minded leaders, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals to do incredible things. His own sales journey first began when he skipped college and at 20 years old that he learned sales the old school way, and which is door-to-door sales. You know, he saw so many different kinds of things like phone lines, shipping services, five gallon water coolers. And I kind of can relate with him because in my senior high school years, uh, because to want to try to save up enough money to pay my university tuition, I literally work every single summer and winter vacation, not on the door to sell newspaper subscriptions and vacuum cleaners and all that kind of stuff. And DK said that he would hit 40 to 50 small business doors, sell three to five accounts on average per day, and come back to the office to ring the good all sales bell. Now, he also went on to become a loan officer and sold over $20 million in sales volume before getting recruited by his best friend to start his SaaS sales career in real estate tech space. And he went on to sell over 8 million in SaaS and brought over 600 mega agents and teams in the country. Then through all different kind of transition, he left all that and he started to build digital marketing agency. One thing he realized early on when he switched his own career from SaaS ambassador to self-employee contractor selling high-ticket marketing services is that he had a distinct advantage over his competition. And the reason was simple. He was better at selling. Whether we like it or not, selling is the must-have skill set we all should have. Otherwise, our business won't be sustainable, right? So now, Let's check with DK. Welcome to the show, DK. Hey, Kelly. How you doing? Nice to be here. You know, it's so awesome. And 
to be able to talk to you because I hardly can get to talk to somebody a little bit like me, do a lot of crazy <laughs> sales stuff before, like direct sales and knock the door, that type of things. Yeah, I've done door-to-door sales. I've done phone sales. I've sold remotely online, in person, uh, you name it, uh, at a marketplace. I, I have sold water. I've sold software. I sold a lot of things. Yeah. And, um, but I think it's those, you know, the real life experience and make us to when we talk about sales, we have a little bit more substance, I would say. And in the introduction, I already uh, shared with the audience and they tell the YouTube uh, uh, visitors to talk about how great you are, but we always want to hear from yourself that can you share a little bit about your journey up till now and how now did you get to do this awesome thing about the uh, new school of selling? Yeah, I mean, uh, the journey is definitely a long one, Uh, definitely a lot of trial and error. me now being a sales consultant and trainer, I've always been good at sales. But um, you know, it's always one of those things you look at it in sports too. When someone's really good at their their um, their their athlete profession, right? Whether it's NBA, NFL, soccer, does that really translate into actually coaching, right? Because like a lot of those guys, they get old and they get tired of it, and then they want to get to that next level. Let's say coaching, but there's a different skill set that you need from being a sales professional and then coaching someone to be a sales professional. And I think I was figuring that out during my whole process because once you become a top sales performer in any business or job, what does a company want you to do? They want you to manage other salespeople to be just like you. And you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I should do that. But it's a whole different skill set of leadership skill set, management skill set to then translate what you know into somebody else. And I think in the beginning, when someone did ask me, I was at a software company uh, back in 2010, was a top performer. And they're like, I was like kind of getting bored about selling because I was doing the same thing over again. I was making great money, but I wasn't being challenged. And so they're like, well, why don't you become the sales manager and you can recruit salespeople and make them just like you. And I thought, okay, that's probably my, you know, where am I going to go next? Right. So I did that. But I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not good at managing salespeople. <laughs> and I realized how hard it was for someone to manage me, right? So I think, um, you know, just to give you a short story of my sales process, I've always been someone who loves to talk to people. And it comes from my like, childhood of coming with uh, really strict parents. I was in a Christian family, but it was super strict almost borderline, like uh, the church was like a cult. And so we had a lot of rules. And so I was always feeling trapped. And I always had to feel like I had to ask my parents for things that other kids didn't have to ask for. And so I had to develop this skill of creating these deals with my parents. And so it's like, okay, what if I clean the house? Can I go and watch a movie with Alex? Like I had to ask for like really dumb things like play basketball or watch a movie or sleep over a friend's house. I had to make these deals. And so that's where my salesmanship kind of started just from me wanting freedom. And then my parents were like, man, you're really good at this. You're probably going to be a car salesman one day. And I was like, I don't want to be a car salesman, but it looks kind of fun. Right. And so that just entered into me getting into sales because I didn't like school. 
And I, I know that in school, they weren't teaching you sales. They teach you business principles, but don't teach you sales. And so when I was 19 years old, uh, I got into this really uh, simple sales job, which is door-to-door sales. And I was selling uh, small business services. So we were selling water, like the five-gallon water jugs. We were selling office supplies. We were selling shipping. And I went door-to-door. So I hit like 50 doors a day. And that was really like painful, but at the same time, the best learning experience on how to talk to people, how to build rapport with people, how to build connection in a very short amount of time, right? And also to understand when some people are not interested and not be pushy about it, but just go to the next person because not everyone wants to buy water today, right? I'm not trying to get everyone to say yes to me. I'm trying to get, let's say 10% of the people to say yes to me. So if I hit 50 doors, I'm trying to get five people to say yes, right? And so then that obviously translated for me to be confident in my sales skills. And then I started getting recruited by other companies. Like this mortgage officer recruited me and he's like, you'd be really good on the phone. Uh, you don't have to go door to door anymore. So I got my license. And then after that, um, my buddy was like, hey, you should do software sales because it's, it's actually a lot better. It's in tech. It's more cooler. The companies are cooler, like Google and stuff. So I got recruited there. And then after that, I got recruited to another company called Boomtown, which is where I spent most of my uh, software sales experience, sold over $8 million of software sales in about five years. And then that's where I told you that story about jumping uh, to sales management. And that wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So because I didn't do that, I went and off went on my own, right? And then I started becoming that entrepreneur journey of doing like, so I was trying to build a marketing funnel for real estate agents. It's called webinars for closers and build these webinar presentations for real estate agents to help them with their buyers and sellers and recruiting. And then that failed uh, for a lot of different reasons. And as you know, with entrepreneur journey, you just keep on going, you keep on trying again. And fast forward to today, uh, pandemic really made me launch new school of selling. And the reason why is because I feel like sales has changed. It's always evolving. And I think today, more than ever, it's not the old school tactics that a lot of people uh, think it is. Now, some of them still work, but I think a lot of the entrepreneurs today, they don't have that same personality type to then give those type of tactics and strategies that work for some personalities, but others they don't. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think just listen to your journey. It proved one thing though. It is like, like almost like somebody put the banner just in front of me, like as long you know how to sell, you won't, you won't get hungry. Exactly. <laughs> it, exactly. It's just listening to that, you know, your journey, it, it doesn't matter that who, almost that any kind of industry put you into mm-hmm. as long you know how to sell. Right. right. You have, you can, you can not only survive, but you can thrive. Not to say you did not get to the bump sometimes, but, yeah. uh, and that's why it's so important. And I, I was kind of laughing, like you said, you had to convince, you had to sell to your parents in order to get what you, what you want to do. I was thinking here is like object, right? I'm a parent. I have to try to sell to my kids that if you do this, maybe then we can get to that. It's like, it's that like this is a constant, the skill, skill set, really. So I love what you say about um, the old school and new school, right? But can you kind of elaborate a little bit more about what is the difference? 
Yeah. So I say it in my website, newschoolselling.com, but the old school is about winning or losing, right? And the new school of selling is about innovating and serving. And so it's from the book, uh, The Infinite, um, it's called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And basically mm. talks about two types of game theory. And so one game theory is about, okay, we're going to play and someone's going to win and someone's going to lose every single time. And that's the finite game. And then there's the infinite game where there's two players. They both know that they're going to keep playing and they're not going to be winning or losing. It's going to be the game that keeps on going and keeps on playing. And so in that game, you have to understand it's always evolving. It's always changing. So it's all about innovating and serving. Um, just like you know what we're going through today with the pandemic and all that, there's people in business that have played the finite game and they realized I lost and they gave up. And there's companies that have played the infinite game where they continue to evolve and they continue to go through this difficult time and start innovating a lot more in their business than they, than they did because they had to, right? And so for me, that's what sales is because it continues to evolve. And the old school, I think a lot of people, just because they don't want change and they just because they think, okay, we're just going to hold on to these old school principles as long as we can, which is great. But those who actually understand buyers today, how they buy online and what type of way they like to buy and what type of relationship they like to build when they buy. It's more collaborative versus it's more this win-lose. So if I don't you know, get this sale, then I lose, right? Or the buyer loses. It's not that type of mindset. It's really about continuing to just find the people that you can help and serve today. And if you can't, maybe later. And if not, to build the brand to continue to innovate. I love that. And that brings up a question we got asked all the time, that how can you stay comfortable when you ask for sales? Now, the context probably is, for example, a lot of service providers or coaches and consultants, right? So they have these one-on-one situation with the clients. They, they kind of answer all the questions and then about to kind of shift to where, well, what do we do next? And some people feel so awkward to transit from answering question to now ask for sales. Can you talk about a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, one thing that I talk about in the sales process, like what is the primary goal of your sales process of taking someone, a customer through your sales process? And there's two goals. Number one is build trust, right? Because if they don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you, right? So you have to build that rapport and that trust with the person, which I think in your question, they have done that, right? They'd ask the questions, they built the rapport, they feel like they built the trust, but then they get nervous when they're asking for the sale because there's a second part, which is you have to build certainty. You have to be certain enough to know that their problem and your solution matches and you have to tell them so. Now, don't tell them about the price, tell them about the certainty of how you're going to fix their problem. And what they're going to ask you is this, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I wanted. What's the next step? They're going to ask you, they're going to ask you, so how much does this cost? Because they see the value Mm -hmm. and now they're curious about, okay, what is it going to cost me? And then you go into, well, I'm glad you asked. And that's where the transition happens, but don't ask for the sale. Don't 
be salesy in terms of, oh, you should do this for me. Or I think this is a good idea. No, be certain. They're buying certainty from you, right? Number one, they're buying a relationship. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're buying magic, which is what you have to fix their problem. What is your magic? And if you don't believe you have magic, then you have to rethink your product or your service. Oh, that's so good. Now, since we're in online topic, another frequent asked question is, okay, DK, now I told them the price and they told me that, oh, I cannot afford it. So what is the next we should do? So obviously when they say they can't afford it, you know, that kind of question, number one, should be addressed in the discovery or the finding fit of knowing that they have the budget or not, right? So that's the first part I would say you have to work on is you have to find the right person that has the budget and ask those questions before you get to the solution part of it. And that's number one. Now, if you miss that, and now you guys are talking about, I can't afford it and making excuses, then there's a couple things happening here. Number one, they don't really believe you can fix their problem, right? That's number one. So you haven't done a good job of creating that certainty. Or number two, they do believe you can fix the problem, but the cost is too high for the value. So their pain is not that great. So you haven't really dug into what is the real pain here that I'm trying to solve? Do they actually even know their pain? What's the cost of not doing this, of not solving this problem? And so you don't even know that. You should know that critical event. So if you don't solve this problem today, what is it going to cost you? Is it going to cost you more than what you're going to pay me to solve the problem? That then actually is going to give you more opportunity to do other things. And so that's all inside of probing and like their, their problem, their pain, and really getting deeper into it because there is something in there that's not right. If you go all the way through that and then they say like, they can't afford it, there's something missing there. Yeah, so that is so good. I know I kind of put him on the spot, but I purposely asked that question because ideally those things, just like DK say, it should be the filters before that conversation happen. So then, you know, you won't face this, this kind of situation. Um, the other thing is, what would you say that um, when people say, how, what is the difference between we appear to really sell and serve or sell for profit? Yeah, so you can tell with, uh, I call this commission breath, right? When you can, you can see someone who has commission breath. or Commission breath. <laughs> because all they want is to close you. They want that sale. So they're always talking about lower cost, discount, anything for you to sign on the bottom line versus someone selling for value, right? And saying, hey, we're going to give you this. We're going to do this for you. We're going to do this for you. And it's building the value of your product or service versus cutting down on the price. Also, clients that you want to work with, be careful. If they're always talking about price with you and not value, you're going to have a headache client. Mm-hmm. Because everything's going to be nickel and diming and everything is going to be about the price versus the value of what this is going to do for you. And so that mindset you have to be aware of, right? So don't get a lot of clients that are always about price. Get clients that are about value and inside your sales process, ask the questions to know what type of client you have. Now I'm going to ask a wild card question. Um, 
salesmanship, right?、Mm-hmm. And biblical principle.、Mm. I that you answer that question. Meaning, what what do you see the relation between the two? So you're asking me salesmanship and what biblical and、principles? anything about biblical principle that in the Bible is anything that you see is to prove that the salesmanship. For me, personal salesmanship is is like leadership because we are、mm-hmm. leading our you know、uh, potential clients through the process and we can serve them.、Mm-hmm. And、um, for me, kingdom is all about people,、um, you know, people based. Business,、mm-hmm. and、um, so, but I would really love to hear that from your mouth. That talk about this, you know, basically salesmanship, the relation with what we know、um, inside the Bible from the from biblical principle perspective. I think、uh, for me, it's really I'm trying to figure out a, a character in the Bible that I, I I think can really relate to this.、Uh, Maybe it's Joseph, right?、Mm. Someone who is、uh, super influential, right?、Um, is someone who people respect and know that. Wow, you give him a few things, and he will he will grow it. He will he will he will be able to manage it, and then you give him many things. And so, for me, I think it's finding out with salesmanship. It is influence. It is leadership because the fact that, especially if you are. A Christian, or you have morals and you have values. You really care about people, and you really care about finding ways to help them, right? Finding tools or resources, and so there's good salesmanship and there's bad salesmanship, based on is it for them or is it for you, right? Is it based on your commission or is it based on their impact and value that you're giving them? That then gives you a reward, right? Because at the end of the day. We all do things for a reward, right? We're all here as Christians, and we do things for God because there's a heavenly reward, and there's already a reward that's there for us. And so, I think for me, when I sell, I I know that I'm not doing this just for myself to make a living, but I'm doing this so that I have the opportunity to build relationships, connect with people in different ways,、uh, not just selling my product or service, but Knowing how this person is doing, what is their story?、Um, how is their business going to thrive? Seeing them grow, right? I think leadership is a lot about that. It's about seeing people grow. It's about、uh, leading people to the right path. And I think salesmanship is one opportunity to do that, especially when we know that we always sell each other. Every single day, we sell each other everything. So, yeah, I love that.、Uh, you know, as I say, I put him on the spot, but. He can answer so well because、uh, I often encourage my own clients. It's you know the much larger scale transformation really only can happen after transaction, right?、Mm-hmm. Let's say okay, both DK and, DK and me we have podcasts. By the way, we usually have to check his podcast, and we are put all the links in the show notes. That's one way we add value. But if somebody want to really learn about sales and 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 further, that you know, podcast itself is not enough. Then DK can really help you to another level when you sign up the his school, right? And that is the basically the example of why why I mean the transformation really can only happen after transaction.
Um, mm. Do you agree on that, DK? Yeah, because you have to make that commitment. Mm-hmm. You have to make that transaction. You have to make that, uh, I don't know, leap of leap of faith, mm-hmm. whatever it is to move forward, to say, I'm going to do this, to shake that hand, to make that commitment to God, to yourself, to your family, whoever it is, make that transaction. Once you make that transaction, you said, I'm going to do it. Well, now you have something to do, which is, yeah, right? Exactly. Doing the thing that you say you're going to do at the end of the day. And, and now I saw the um, uh, example in the Bible. It's remember when King David, he went to want to look for a piece of land mm. to uh, build our temple to worship. And he passed by and then he talked to the landowner. The landowner said, oh, you know, you are king. Go ahead. Just take it. And he said, no, 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 no. I need to pay for it. Mm. I need to pay for it because if there's no investment, there's no harvest. Mm. And that is a biblical principle. And for both sides, it's great because I need to invest in so then I will not only be held accountable or what just DK moments ago say, but literally then I can have a right to say, okay, Lord, now I do my part. Now I'm counting also on you to co-create with me whatever the harvest is for. Um, I also have uh, many clients and audience because they are coaches and consultants. So they grow their business, come to the point that they figure now they need to hire a sales team. Mm, they say yeah. they want to start with one or two salesperson. Right. Uh, so themselves don't have to take that call anymore uh, before the enrollment of their program. So what would you say, especially the high ticket coaching program, right? So what would you say, um, what kind of criteria or, or personality or, you know, about that salesperson that we're looking for, what shall we pay attention to? Yeah. Before we look at the person per se, like individually, um, I think you have to understand if you're going to sell, um, like hire a sales team, right? That's a very, very important piece of your business. It's probably one of the most important because it's your revenue driver, right? Mm-hmm. And you're sending leads to this person. So number one question is, how long do you think they're going to be with you? Right now, that's number, that's very important, right? When you hire someone, you ask, Hey, this is the commitment that this job needs, whether it's three months, six months, because you have to forecast, you know, what you're going to be doing, right? So if you let go of that part of your uh, job, uh, business or your job, man, it better work. Cause if it doesn't, you go right back to that job. Right. Cause there's two jobs you have as an entrepreneur, your expertise and sales. Cause you have to have someone actually buy your expertise. If they don't buy your expertise, then you need to go work at Google or another company where they will buy that expertise, but they'll buy it because of the brand. Right. And that's what you're building. Now, when you're looking for a salesperson, I would say it's someone that has that character of trust and reliability. Also, someone who knows how to follow a system, right? And so in order for you to do that, uh, when you are vetting out uh, sales professionals, one thing I know about being a sales professional is we're not very organized. Um, We do a lot of activities, but we don't input them into the system. And um, we like to uh, grab the low-hanging fruit, right? And so if you get us to nurture, we'll maybe call back a client maybe four or five times at most, and then we'll give up and we'll go to the next. 
And so I think you have to, you know, develop some exercises inside of your interview process to see who this person really is in terms of an organizational standpoint. They might be a really good salesperson, but if you don't have enough value, like commission wise, or they they don't like working with you because one reason or another, they're going to go somewhere else, right? Because they're really good at their their skill set, right? They're going to go somewhere else. So you have to build a very good culture, but you also have to understand how organized and reliable they are. So what I would do is this, like, hey, uh, this is the interview process. Uh, what I would like you to do is go on, um, create a YouTube video, all right? In the YouTube video, I would like you to answer these type of questions. And then after you create that video, I want you to put it in the Google Drive and then you go send it to me. Like give them those type of like organizational exercises to see if they follow instructions to a T or not. That way you're not having to ask them the question, are you organized? Yeah, I'm organized. No, prove it to me, right? And so those type of things with salespeople is very important because you're going to think and assume, oh, this person's so great. He sold this many, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to work with this person. You're like, oh, this guy doesn't follow instructions. He's not organized. Everything's all over the place. And then you have to manage that person. And now you have another job. Now you're the sales manager and you're micromanaging. So there's a lot of different things. I know it's, um, it is stressful and it is the most important like outsourcing you're going to do in your business. So if you have any questions about that, go to my website. Uh, you can text me and I can even help you even further. Wow. Thank you so much. And I think what you say that basically kind of a little bit, you touch about that process almost you also want to see that person, whether they fit into your own brain culture. Yeah, because here's the thing. Everybody has a system. When mm. you, but here's the thing. You, when you're an employee of a company, you're going into their system, right? right? You're understanding that. You have to have a system too. If you don't have a system for the person you're bringing on, it's your fault, right? Because you don't have a system for them to follow. So how can you expect them to do what you want them to do if you don't have that system in place? And then can they follow the system? Is the system going to make them successful? Because if you can't do that, then you can't hire more than one person because you have to keep working on that person. And then you can't hire another person because we all follow systems and models to scale. If you don't have a system and model, you cannot scale. Then you're stuck. Just like real estate agents, um, if they don't have systems and models, they're always just going to be that referral-based business and they're going to be a realtor till they're 65 or 70 years old doing the same thing because they don't have a system. They just do it on their own, right? And they're, they're okay with doing one or two deals a month. Yeah. Pays the bills. Great. Right. But if you want to scale, you have to have that system. Yeah, exactly. I cannot thank you enough, DK, for coming on the show today. Um, can I ask you a question, though? When is your school be launched? So because uh, I want the audience to know about that. Yeah. So we're building the um, mini course right now of New School of Selling. And then in the fall, we'll have the New School of Selling uh, sales course which is teaching uh, beginner entrepreneurs how to really build uh, their sales process to build hmm. a sales identity of who they are. So they're comfortable in their own skin. And it's a more of a mindful way of selling, right? It's about innovating and serving versus trying to win and lose, which is like close and be aggressive and pushy and all that. It's about more collaborative and it's about asking questions just like a leader. 
right? So um, I'm excited to launch that in the fall. But uh, until then, you'll know more about it uh, as I do my podcast. And so you'll get a lot of different updates on the new school of selling podcast on iTunes or, or Spotify. Yeah, we cannot wait to that that course, really. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Any departing wisdom? Kelly, thank you. I had a great time here. I think uh, for me, it's about working on yourself more than on your job. Working on yourself more than on your business, because if you don't do that, your business is going to fail at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, you're human. And if things are not working inside of you, it's not going to be working outside of you. So that would be my encouragement to all of you. That is a beautiful illustration of salesmanship is leadership. <laughs> Thanks again, DK. Thank you Thank so you, much. Kelly. How did you enjoy the episode? I hope that after this episode, you are so excited about selling because it's all about serving. In order to serve more, we need to sell more. And you will learn from DK, really selling is about the good communication and relationship building. Looking forward to your feedback. If you can let us know in the Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, that will be really much appreciated. So more Christian entrepreneurs can find this podcast and this episode so we can have a chance to create more impacts. Also for all the goodies and links of DK, we're gonna put in the show note, just go to kellybother.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's kellybother.com forward slash podcast. We will see you in the next episode. Hi there. If you have found this episode resonating with you, would you please consider to take a moment and drop a review on iTunes? It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content week in and week out. Please go to kellyballer.com forward slash review. Again, that's kellyballer.com forward slash review. We really appreciate it. And you will also help more fellow Christian CEOs find this podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Christian CEO Podcast at www.kellybotter.com.